The future is now. Finding the NOSO has never been easier. Subscribe to us on our new YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, and bookmark the new home for No Holds Barred, The Jenny Position, Wrestling War Zone, and all your favorite NOSO podcasts at NorthSouthConnection.com. It's New Year, New NOSO. NorthSouthConnection.com. Straight podcast. I've done that for North South Connection Podcast Network listeners and viewers. Welcome inside the Wrestling War Zone, a Monday Night Wars podcast retrospective series. I'm JT. Join me as always, as ever, is my partner Chad. Chad, how are you? Doing good. Exciting night. Probably the second biggest show we've done. I yeah, I'd say so. What do you think is the biggest? WrestleMania? No, Bash at the Beach '96. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Bash at the Beach '12. The Iron Man? No, no, that was a big one. Uh, anyway, top three. It is also our hundredth episode. Don't know about that either. <laughs> it's our hundredth episode, though. We are here. Uh, exciting, you know. Some said we'd never make it. Shania Twain once said, uh, "But here we are, buddy. We made it through all one hundred. And kind of fitting. Like we didn't plan it. Obviously, this way we're just chronologically moving through these shows. That the hundredth one would be Starcade, which is pretty cool. Right? Yeah, worked out good. Uh, if you're listening, welcome in. Hopefully you're subscribed to our, our any of our podcast application feeds. Uh, if you're watching, thank you. Be sure to subscribe with the button below on the show. Here we go through the history of the Monday Night Wars. We started back in September 95. So not only are we in 100 episodes, not only are we at Starcade, we're also finally at the end of 1996, which is exciting as well. Uh, we're looking forward to kicking off 97 in a couple episodes. So a lot's going on here on this show. Uh, anything from the world of the dirt sheets before we get started? Wasn't a whole lot uh, leading in. A couple of things, like obviously the show was sold out. Dave talked a little bit about that. The the uh, the Observer the week before this show is kind of wild in that he talks about UWFI, a shoot style promotion, and ECW of all things. Like those are two big think pieces mm-hmm, right. Dave does. So that's a little weird. Uh, I did find. A couple of things. So, like, he he has the top three matches were sold out already. Mm -hmm. He says the six versus Eddie Guerrero, uh, Hall and Nash versus the Steiners, and Master Hero Chono versus Chris Jericho. So he's on those. Then he says the main event will be Hogan defending the title against either Luger or Giant, with Luger being the more likely of the two at this point since Hogan doesn't want Giant to turn. So... Keep that in mind. Um, only other thing was uh, this episode. Uh, this episode. This newsletter is dated December thirtieth, and it has the final WWE its time or WWF its time poll results. There's not a lot of data. Let me 
count it real good. 110 responses, so not many. But 78 out of 110 gave it a thumbs up. That's 71%. That's interesting. I think so. very, like, I was firmly in the middle, I would say, on that. And that only got, like, 10% of the... uh, Maybe just things are so bad at that point and like made people feeling okay coming off Survivor Series. I I think the price point helps too. Yeah, which which, uh, we talked about, but yeah, for twenty bucks and under two hours, like it's a you know why not? Yeah, worked well enough. You know, I I would I would say for the magnitude of this show heading in, the observers were kind of a little bit de-emphasized. To be to be honest, like. And we talked about it, like, we'll get to it in the main event with this whole world title thing, but, like, there's been no mention on Meltzer's end about that and whether he's unsure or what. So so I do think uh, we'll talk about it. There's one commentary line at the end that kind of plays into that, but besides mm-hmm. that, like, it's not something they mentioned. So I, no, I do think not. that's something we discussed that, has really been overblown uh, in retrospect by people trying to poke ho- holes and critique that, I mean, there's no indication that you should have an expectation that this is a world title match except the world champions wrestling in it and it's a singles match. I mean, maybe, but right. I don't know. And, it seems and it's arcade. So, I mean, you kind of think, okay, biggest show of the year, you know, world champion, main event, like you probably – I guess it's an assumption, but to your point, they never said it. So if you are assuming it, you're assuming it, which is fine, but right. Don't bitch and complain after, um, or make it like they misled or anything like that. They've not been above, uh, not having a world championship match. No, they do 89, 91. All right. We're ready to go into the granddaddy of them all. Starcade. It's in Nashville. Tennessee at the Municipal Auditorium. Uh, get a decent video package. I know we talked about those are still trailed behind WWF. That's been one of the few categories. WWF exceeded WCW 1996. But this one was fine. It wasn't awful. It felt more like an ad. Uh, yeah, I mean, they give kind of the highlights. They present Piper walking yeah. along. That's the basic gist. Uh, Pyro starts us off. Tony, Dusty, and Bobby are our announced team. And that's pretty much it. Not a lot of preamble uh, before we get our opener. That's one thing about this show. There's there's a couple of interview segments. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely not a lot of fluff here. No, it just chugs along. We're not seeing Adam in the Alamo Dome. <laughs> <laughs> not yet, anyway. Yeah, he's not in Cedar Rapids, uh, already reserving his seat for sold out. Uh, so our opener is Ultimo Dragon versus Dean Malenko. This is for the cruiserweight title. Uh, Dragon comes out with all his belts. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a cool visual, as usual. Uh, they bring in, of course, Iron Mike Tanay, who's your expert for this one. Uh, Bobby puts over the business acumen of Sonny Ono. And uh, away we go. Dean's getting some face cheers here against the uh, Japanese wrestler Ultimo. So a little... Uh, nationality edge i guess with the crowd in tennessee uh they trade some holes to start they really should kind of show the evenness of each other uh 
Sonny on the outside is like, what should I do with another belt? So he's he's acting pompous and confident in his man, Ultimo. Uh, some nice kicks from Ultimo. Dean hits a back suplex as things start to heat up. Uh, Tanae, I thought, had a good point. A lot of good points on commentary tonight. One was Tanae bringing up Dean facing Regal on Nitro and how successful he's been uh, when he's like gone up the ranks and tried his hand in the heavyweight division. Mm-hmm. Uh, and kind of parallels that with Ultimo being sort of just a straight cruiserweight, you know, like yeah. Dean has the uh, size advantage or whatnot over Ultimo. Snap Suplex does give Ultimo the advantage. Half Crab STF, uh, our first Tony and Dusty bickering moment of the night, where Tony says that was kind of a half crab, and Dusty's like, "What do you mean a half crab? It's a full <laughs> crab." So there you go. Uh, on the outside, Ultimo teases Asay Moonsault and then hits a tope. Uh, Dean blocks Superlex and then gets uh, another one back. So a lot of back and forth, back and forth here. Um, Dusty, shocking moment here. I don't even know if he knew it, where he says uh, Asay and Dragon is the same thing. So yeah, you know that Dragon's real night last day was I say. I mean, maybe he got taught it on Saturday night or something. A shocking, yeah. shocking development that he's the one to bring that up. Uh, release German suplex puts Malenko back on top. He starts working over the leg now to set up the cloverleaf. I thought he had some good varied offense. He drop kicks the leg. He has the crowd behind him. Uh, this is where I thought the match really heats up. Dean pops off a nice snap power slam that gets a huge reaction. Spin wheel mm-hmm. kick from Dragon. He goes for the power bomb and hits that for a near fall. Then you get a spot always guaranteed to get a great reaction where they do the reversal tombstone spot by Dean. Yep. Uh, he signals for the cloverleaf. Ultimo blocks that, and uh, Dean ends up hitting a tiger driver on him, which is called that by Tanae, which was cool. Flying dive from Dean. Both are on the outside and on the apron. Ultimo catches him with the kick and then does hit the I say moonsault on the outside. Malenko catches Dragon on the inside on the ropes, but Dragon elbows him down. He misses his moonsault. Uh, Ultimo, I thought, did pretty good selling the knee here, allowing Malenko to lock on the cloverleaf. Sonny Ono runs up on the apron. Dean kind of goes to handle him. And he, uh, Sonny kind of scurries away. When Dean turns around, he goes for the cloverleaf again. Ultimo gets a really good-looking small package for a two-count. Uh, clothesline from Dean. He hits his brain buster for another real close near fall. Tony's already losing his mind on the first match here. Uh, they talk about Malenko getting progressively more frustrated. Uh, and then we get our finish where it's a series of reversals and Dragon hits a Tiger suplex and ends up pinning Dean Malenko, winning the Cruiserweight title. Um, so, again, I thought this was a very even match, a lot of parity uh, between the two. Um, but I thought I thought they did a good job of kind of heating things up at the right moment. I thought the crowd being behind Malenko helped things, move mm-hmm. things along to where when there was those transition spots like the tombstone reversal and drop kicking the knee, setting up the cloverleaf, him signaling for the cloverleaf, he had the crowd behind him. Uh, so overall, I thought this turned into a great match. Like it was one of those matches that was kind of just kept bubbling, bubbling, bubbling in that very good range. And then at the very end, I was like, okay, when I look at it, I think it ends up being a great match. I don't think it's a classic like some of the stuff we've seen 
uh, between Psychosis and Ray and even Dean and Ray. I thought this fell behind some of the top stuff we've seen in that regard. Ultimo versus Ray from World War Three, I like better too. Um, but I, but I ended up giving this four stars and a 7.8 out of 10, which makes it a great match and a really good opener to start off the show. I like Tanae a lot during this, you know, drops in the nuggets, like the winner is going to fight Jushin Liger at the Tokyo Dome on the fourth. Yep. So that adds a little extra prestige as well. Of course, the Dragons win, he unifies the title. So it's goes from eight to nine. He now has all the Cruiserweight titles uh, across the, the world, right? Is that the gimmick there? Yeah, um, three different countries is what they state. Have. <clears throat> Today, teaching Dusty about the meaning of the Asay Moonsault was funny, too. He's, he goes through his the last training at Bruce Lee and all that. Right. Um, but, yeah, a lot of the offense was great. And and the crowd, surprisingly, was more into it than expected. Like, this is one. I keep having those flashbacks to Malenko and Benoit at Hogwild. You just never know what to expect the crowds at this time with this kind of stuff. Because it was definitely a little slow. A lot of mat work or at least some grinding. But the crowd stayed with it. And that's, like you said, it bowled up and paid off that the crowd held with them. So you didn't get boring chants or anything when they're kind of easing in and starting to tell the story. I thought the announcers really did a nice job too with the story. Um, you know, not getting too goofy. They weren't punch drunk yet. Like maybe this is later in the night. You might get a little punchy dusty or Bobby, but like, I thought they were still pretty engaged here early on. Uh, I thought dragon and Dean were both presented evenly. So they both mm-hmm. got a lot of shine. I think you could have maybe sped it up just a little bit, given the setting and the slot, but because the crowd stayed with it, it didn't really matter. I thought the finish was great. Um, the crowd did all the right things too. All the near falls and spots on the back end, like they were all into each of those uh, with all the near falls. They had a lot of time. They executed well. Uh, Dragon now was going to control the division, and I also won four stars. So yeah, this is a, a great, probably all time WCW opener, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, four star openers still nothing to sneeze at uh, at this point on pay per view. They probably don't have a ton. In their history, I don't, I don't think, right? Yeah, either both, both promotions. So, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe top 10, 15 at this point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then we kind of pretty much just right into the next match, uh, which is a Ken's, uh, not Kensuke Sasaki, Akira Kudo versus Medusa. Kensuke Sasaki's out with Akira. Yeah. Um, Akira's gear just sick. Like she always has amazing gear and uh has that here with kind of like an oxygen mask. It it just looks and Bobby crazy. asks if it's Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton. Yeah, <laughs> she has a big blonde wig on. Did you uh, notice the uh video wall error? No. They had her name spelled H U K U T O on the on the mm-hmm. big wall behind them as she came out. Who could do that's unfortunate, but yeah. That's a R-I-C-K flair moment <laughs> there. Uh, another guest spot on commentary here. Staggerly. Our woman's wrestling expert <laughs> is what he's presented as. as a uh, lead well, AWA had a women's division, right? So I guess he uh, honed his craft there. I guess. Uh, I got to say, Lee running down who was in this tournament and his pronunciation. I mean, look. Obviously, I've got a country accent, but <laughs> Lee Marshall pronouncing Mako Satomura was she's uh, great, hilarious. It was like Miko Satomura. <laughs> it was. He's our big expert. Big it expert. Was, that's our expert. There. He's also a, a royalty expert. He breaks down the royal marriage routines. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, Hokuto and Sasaki, and, yeah. yeah, yeah, he breaks. Uh, kayfabe on that pretty quickly. Uh, costume change with a new jacket for Sonny Ono. Mm-hmm. Uh, Akira starts right out with an attack, and this, this, um, you could tell like 
I think if you're unfamiliar with all Japan women, and uh, by this point, Akira was um, already moved on to Gaia. Um, this is their style, like the heels. Uh, they'll attack before the bell, like usually right. when the streamers are coming down. So, so this goes to like the dump Matsumoto, you know that that type of lineage where this this is a classic move. So the first couple minutes of that were classic heel and uh, Joshi um, work here from Akira. She puts on the scorpion in like two minutes, which uh, they they talk about that like Sasaki helped train her on that and whatnot. She transitions that into an STF. Uh, Nick Patrick's our referee, by the way. USA chant for Medusa. Um, and then we get maybe my favorite Dusty Rhodes moment ever on commentary where uh, uh, Akira bites Medusa's foot and, and uh, Dusty lets it rip. Where she's biting the foot and uh, teething on the foot. Teething on it. Nick Patrick's uh, hiking up his britches or his drawers. You know, just... just Amazing here. He gets so stuck on it. Just completely stuck. He cannot get past it. It's a great line. Yeah. Uh, Bobby, again, is unsure if Nick Patrick is NWO. So we do get... We do. I, I thought it was interesting, too. Like This is our first NWO real discussion of the night. I mean, that opener was long. I mean, we're like over a half hour into the show, and we haven't talked to NWO at all. Yeah. So I found that interesting um, that they really kind of abstained in the opener and don't really talk about it until Nick Patrick shows up here. Yeah, I mean, we talked about, like, the first hour of Nitro becoming NWO Nitro. This almost feels like a template of a pay-per-view where the pay-per-views are split yeah. at some point. Because pretty much the first half of this show is a WCW show and the second yeah. half is an NWO show. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very split down the middle with the way they build it. Uh, Northern Lights suplex from Akira cross on breaker, which Tony says is a code red variation. So, uh, Maybe the first time Hokuto and uh, Sergeant Craig Pittman have been mentioned in the same breath with each other as far as in-ring workers. Uh, Dusty says WCW only has one title currently held by a WCW wrestler, which I thought was a good point. Floater DBT by Medusa looks pretty ugly. Uh, Hokuto comes back with a good German suplex. Uh, Dusty's, of course, talking about what Sasaki and Okuto uh, share together with each other. A bulldog by Medusa looks good, and she gets a power bomb uh, and a German suplex. Um, and then so she's starting to make her comeback, but she gets caught on the ropes. Hokuto hits a superplex. She goes to the ropes, but gets drop kicked to the outside. Then Sonny comes in the ring with the USA flag, whacks Medusa with that while Nick Patrick is distracted. Missile drop kick from Akira, and she ends it with the Northern Lights bomb. So, I mean, I thought this was solid. Like, Okudo's one of the top 30, 40, 50 wrestlers of all time in my eyes. So, I mean, this has a little bit of uh, Jinichiro Tenru at WrestleMania 7 vibes. But, I mean, it's a much better match than that. Yeah. But it's, it's just interesting, like, when you have these all-time classic guys and girls in a match that isn't great, but Medusa is not a great worker by any means. And I thought they both tried. And for the time being, like it was a fine match. Fred Sasaki. Fred Sasaki. Fred Sasaki. Yeah. I didn't think Medusa was very good in this match. Um, 
I, I don't think it was all on Akira. Uh, I, I think Medusa was just like all of her offense was just a step behind. I just, yeah, I don't know. She just can't hang with her, right? It's just she's nope. fine. Like when it comes to American female workers at this time, she's probably one of the best, but worldwide, no. Um, even though she's presented as such, like the float over DDT is real sloppy. Um, the power bomb was nice. She did get that off. I think she's able to use her power spots okay. Oh, that was interesting too. They had uh, Sasaki was like annoyed with Sunny Ono that they cheated to win. I think they yes. kind of played it up like that. Uh, yeah, there was a couple of moments where like one time I think like Sunny Ono tried to grab the foot of Medusa and like Sasaki kind of shoves him. So that was a little weird. I don't know what that was about. I wonder if they were building to something. Like to try and like a little bit, maybe a small angle where I mean they're coming in a lot. Like Chono's coming in, so I don't I don't know if like it seems like you had that huge uh, New Japan WCW crossover last year, obviously that culminated in Starcade '95, and then it kind of cooled off a little bit. But now now they could have been doing something where like he's not a fan of the, or her associating with him, and at least to it, you know, something. But right, this is odd to do it unless he just freelanced. Um, but you know, Okuda was great. Medusa again struggled, slowed things down a lot. So I don't think they ever got going because of that. They got tighter down the stretch. It was interesting. You know, it's definitely ahead of most of the women's wrestling in the U.S. at this point for sure. Like, yeah, you know, we saw this couple of good stuff around late '95 in the WWF, but beyond that, there's really not much, <laughs> been much else going on. It was a good showcase for Okoto, who was the right choice to drive the division as the first champion. So, uh, you know, despite needing Ono to win, she still won two and three quarters for me. Like, I thought it was good, but just Medusa really dragged it down. Yeah, right. Uh, DDP is He's back. banging on some keys. Don't comp serve there. Uh, Mark Madden, while they show Paige. Madden, I guess, they said he uh, they were doing live commentary on WCWWrestling.com. I mean, Madden is just talking a mile a minute mm. in the background. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, the internet speeds, would they have been able to keep up with that? Like, probably not. live commentary and Madden. I mean, maybe they didn't even have him plugged in. He just thought he was. So just, sorry, you, yeah, you're on. You're on, Mark. Yeah. Go ahead. That's wow. It was interesting. Um, Gene's in the back. He interviews Roddy Piper. This this was an odd promo, honestly. Yeah. This, this, this was, was bad, Piper. This, this was, bad was Piper. Uh, definitely the worst of Piper we've seen. Uh, so Gene says they get together this time of the year for one reason or another. I, I didn't. Did you catch what that could have been in reference? Okay, the holidays, I guess. I, <laughs> I, I thought there might be like a drinking joke. In oh, there. maybe maybe they, maybe they drink in the holidays all the time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Or like, when was Gene in that match at Madison Square Garden? <laughs> was that around? I feel like that was like the spring of '84 okay. or something. <laughs> All right. Uh, Piper says he sings like a vulture. He brings up Hogan's size. He's six foot eight. Piper's a midget compared to him. He talks about different icons in the business. Brings up Dusty Rhodes, Strangler Lewis, Gorgeous George. Uh, says if you compare Hogan's ego and put it in Roseanne's bar, Brock up, it would be a yarmulke. So a classic, uh, a classic weird and mm-hmm. pretty offensive, I guess, line from Piper that doesn't really hit. Um, Gene asks him about the hip, and he like limps away. So. I mean, well, very, he kind of hops. It isn't really limp. He kind of yeah, like hops. Not a show that it's okay. Yeah. Um, odd promo. Just like it doesn't. 
I mean, I, it was one where, again, I didn't really know what the objective was. Like, was yeah. he trying to oversell Hogan? Was he trying to just be too wound? I mean, Bobby kind of tries to cover for him a little bit, or Tony says it's the most wound up they've ever seen him. But Yeah, they tried to make him that he was just, like, so amped that he was just, like, rambling. But, like, yeah, I don't think we needed this. Like, we talked a lot about Piper. Oh, we've heard a lot from Piper. He's cut some great promos. That's great segments. Like, I would have left Piper and Hogan out of this until – the main event that's like we don't need to see you or hear from you like we've heard everything we need to hear until this point um we're good we're sold he mentioned sky low low when he says the being <laughs> yeah. a midget compared to hogan uh i said hogan's a giant came in a stretch volkswagen um yeah just i don't know there's not i didn't like this at all i gotta it could only like the build was so good you could only hurt it with shit at this point so like just we don't need yeah to we'll, mean... see, we'll see it two hours and 20 minutes in all right, I, don't, I mean, I don't think Hogan's promos necessary. We'll get to it, but it was better. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. Uh, next is, if you had to pick a match in 1996 and say, what's your dream match? Like, if you're a hardcore wrestling fan, this is it. It's Fusion Thunder That's the first line of my notes, too. It's quite video. the dream match here. Yeah. Um, Tanae's back again. Um, Why don't they, they just kick Lee aside on tonight? Why not just leave him in the fucking booth? Like, I guess they're trying to make it special, but he calls the whole hour of Nitro. Just do the four-man, whatever. If you want to bring Marshall in for him, for the women, but just let tonight call the show. <laughs> the other three. It's like, so we in and out, in and out. They're doing more and more cruiser stuff. So, like, just whatever. Just leave him in. Maybe. I don't know. I don't I don't mind him popping in. It's like a special occasion. I mean, I... But he calls we, Nitro, so it's not like he's... Right, but we guy. talked about it. Like, I think on WWF, when they try to cram four in the booth, it can be a fourth crowd. Especially because, like, you know Dusty's going to be filibustering. I think that's yeah, the yeah. big thing. Like, Dusty can be great, and he has some great moments on the show, but, I mean, he's getting his spots in. Right. <laughs> and so, like... When Tanae's your expert and they want him to, like, be the main guy to make these vocal points, like, there's a lot, like, Dusty's asking. I mean, we'll get to it even in this match where he talks about the dragon screw leg with. Like, he gets, he derails Tanae, which which can be funny. It's memorable, but it is what it is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is certainly a dream match. Uh, they do give the background on Liger with his brain tumor, um, which I thought was key. Uh-huh. and. I don't know about this match. We'll get to it. I'll, I'll start at the top. Well, let me run through it, and then I'll kind of give my thoughts. I have some thoughts here. So I thought some good Matt wrestling to start. Liger hits a stiff slam. Uh, nasty chop by Liger. He's firmly on the tag. He hits a power bomb that's kind of bullying Ray. Ray's able to hit a head scissors and kind of brings the pace up. He runs Liger to the outside, teases the dive to a good reaction. Uh, he tries to suplex Liger back in. Uh, but Liger's able to reverse that and ends up suplexing Ray to the floor. Hits a power bomb on the floor. T- Tony at this point asks uh, Tanay if Liger's being more deliberate than usual. Tanay tells him that this is the style Liger is utilizing now, which is really true. And I think that's my overarching point on this is a lot of people, you know, I've read like reviews of this match on the internet and stuff. And a lot of it's like from the standpoint of, okay, we saw this guy versus Pillman at Super Brawl 2, and now we see him here, and it's a lot more grounded, not high-flying, etc. I mean, that was the style Liger was evolving into. So right. it's definitely not as jarring. Um, if you had seen it. Yeah. If you'd seen it. But, but I kind of like the callback, too, like that Dusty and Tony, the last they would have seen of him is 
then, right? So they're not as in depth. So I like having today right. there to say that, like, hey guys, actually, since the last time you saw him, like that's not the Laker we remember. Well, he has changed a lot in four years, you know. So like, right. I kind of like that they actually called it out. Right. So Ray misses a drop kick from the top, a tilt the world backbreaker and surfboard by Liger. These are staples for him. Ray's able to hit a flash German moonsault from the mat and the DDT. Uh, the springboard drop kick also from Ray. Um, uh, this is where Tone, uh, Tanae does say, like, now it's official. It'll be Liger versus Ultimo on January yeah. 4th at the Tokyo Dome. Uh, Liger's able to catch Ray in a drop kick on a springboard attempt. He hits the half crab. Then we get the dragon screw. <laughs> uh, which the was, dragon, what'd you call it? We had, a couple, <laughs> we had a couple moments here from... Uh, from Dusty. First, he talks about uh, they they mentioned like a tag match that Liger and uh, Ray were opposite in, but they only were in their match together for like sixty seconds or whatnot. Tony says that, or uh, Dusty says that reminds him of his old partner Dick Murdoch, who, who made Dusty do all the work, and then he came <laughs> in and got the glory. Also says Dick Murdoch's watching this pay per view, so I, I guess I guess at heaven they got Direct TV or whatever. Where Dusty's <laughs> looking down, Dick Dick can uh, tune in here. Uh, then we get the Dragon Screw Leg Whip, which Dusty completely pops for. Uh, he says later on tonight he's gonna say, "What was that, honey? Well, that was the Dragon Screw Leg Whip." <laughs> so there you go. Capo uh, kick by Liger, which also gets Dusty to pop. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ray's able to get his uh, forward roll baseball slide, and then he does. I like this. So, like Ultimo did the Asay and Moonsault from the <laughs> in this match, Ray does the Asay Moonsault from the top rope, which Danae talks about kind of like one up. And that looked awesome. I mean, cool. it, he great. Yep. Guillotine leg drop gets two uh, for Ray, but he misses a springboard senton. Liger's able to hit the diving headbutt for two. Uh, Liger goes to the top, but Ray catches him. He tries to go for the Rana, but uh, Liger blocks that, hits another capo kick, and then gets a uh, Liger bomb and uh, gets the win. And all of a sudden, Japan is 3-0 to zero on WCW, which is a bit of a surprise. Ray kicked out of three. Do you think that was just like fighting spirit? or? Was yeah, like I think it was one of those, like, they're very even. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think there's some political stuff here. Mm-hmm. Um. Liger at this point on is not very giving uh, throughout the rest of his career and who right. he uh, jobs to as far as the juniors. So I think there's some of that here. Um, so so here's the deal with this match. Like, do I think this is a classic? No, I think this match is probably about as good as good as it can be without calling it a disappointment. Mm-hmm. So, like, it doesn't meet your expectations going in. I have it at three and a half. But um, I wouldn't call it, like, a disappointment, too. Like, this was just kind of their floor. And that sometimes happens with these dream yeah. matches. Uh, it's unfortunate. But I also look at that, and it's like, man, it's tough. Because, you because again, like, when you see all the reviews, it's, like, all widely disappointing. Well, maybe, but I still don't necessarily think it was like an unsuccessful match and certainly no. wasn't a bad match either it's just it's, it could have been a match of the year candidate maybe um but i don't i'm not sure if their styles actually mesh great at this point in time uh for them to have that type of match so along the lines of like 
you know, a better version of it, like Perfect and Sean. You know, those matches that just get yeah. hype, type, type, type. And then uh, Edge and Christian in 01, like that first one, the Hardy match, the first one. Like, you, you just expect it to be a dream match. Sean and Marty's first match at the Rumble. But they're all very good. But the expectations really drag them down into people thinking, well, they just they, they bombed or whatever. But, right. um, you know, there's some good snap offense from Liger here. You know, I, I liked like we talked a lot about the commentary. It's not going to keep going into it, but I thought it was it was really good all through this match, both with the humor stuff with Dusty, but also today illustrating the changes in Lego style. I did like the finish, like you said, that moonsault was awesome. Um, you know, it just wasn't kind of the insanity you'd expect, like you said. It felt almost similar to the opener, opener too, which I think hurt it maybe mm-hmm. in a way. Like it was very similar. So now we've had two cruiser matches that were not like a cruiser style that we've been kind of associating with now on Nitro, et cetera, or with the Malenko, with the Mysterio that do open the throttle. These were much more grounded and that base. Now we've had two of them out of three matches. So they felt a little bit like a dupe of the opener. Um, again, the storytelling was good. The crowd stayed with it again, uh, but it felt a little bit like an exhibition uh, just for like a, a hard fought grinder, but it just felt awkward. And we had already had that a long one opening the show. So I went three and a quarter you know, looking back, I'm not saying I want to take Malenko Dragon off the board, but maybe we're better off with Liger Dragon and Malenko Ray, where you get one like kind of fast paced with Ray and Malenko probably, and maybe Dragon Liger is a little bit more map based. Now, I know they didn't want to probably blow the Tokyo Dome match on Starcade, so maybe that's why we didn't go that route. But, um, but again, I mean, Malenko Dragon was great. So, like, whatever. If this match is three and a half, three and a quarter, it's fine, but. You know, I just think we had two of the same. We're now like almost an hour into the show when we've had like the same match twice in a way, one better than the other. I think this is a match you had to book because yeah. it's like such a dream match potential. It's one of those like what ifs if you don't. So you're right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. And again, it turned out guy. It, it's fine. It's just like maybe they should have separated them more in the card. But to your point, I think there's a cadence on the show that they're building kind of the non-NWO, and then they're going hard at the end with, like, the big war to close the show. So, you know, it's hard to sit there and say they should have... Maybe they could have switched, switched with this next one, because the next one's kind of a brawl. So maybe they could have swapped this a bit later after that. I don't know. It just yeah. felt like those are still close together, and they ended up being very similar. All right. Uh, so, so, yeah, now, I mean, this match is kind of seen as the transition to, like, the business end of the card and from the cruiser to the heavy style. Uh, so it's Chris Benoit versus Jeff Jarrett. Kind of interesting match on paper. Um, not necessarily, like, a feud within each other, but a lot of kind of ancillary things going on where, like, it got brought up. We mentioned it on the last Raw and Nitro review that, like, they hadn't really mentioned – Flair endorsing Jarrett much, uh, but that rears its head again. Where in this match, it's like, oh, well, Flair endorsed him for the Horseman, so he's kind of involved with that. And then we have the whole Benoit situation. Uh, so, face reaction for Benoit. Benoit shoves Jarrett down, mimics kind of kicking dirt on him. Woman is with Benoit tonight. You know, she wasn't with him at Nitro, uh, so she is there tonight. Uh, some nasty chops by Benoit. He's bullying Jared around. Jared flies back. He does a strut to some booze. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting that the Nashville, Tennessee crowd is not too uh, <laughs> yeah, not pro Jared. Yeah. Not too hot for the Hendersonville native here. So uh, I don't know. That, that was a little bit unfortunate, actually. Um, but I thought this match had really good intensity. Uh, mm-hmm. Benoit hits some more nasty chops. Just a lot of kind of back and forth. Um, 
hateful strikes with each other. Benoit goes for the superplex, gets shoved off. Woman moves Benoit away from the ropes, and uh, Benoit is able to throw Jarrett into the outside. They kind of send each other into guardrail. Um, back body drop inside by Benoit gets two. And then uh, Benoit is able to get the boot up, does some pin tips. I thought when Jarrett started firing back, he had some one really great drop kick, which hit Benoit right on the chin. Yep. Commentary is digging this one, talking about, oh, it's a good match, a lot of back and forth, belly-to-belly suplex from Jarrett. Jarrett then suplexes Benoit on the top rope, which they kind of call it out as him using his maneuver. Uh, he goes for the figure four, but woman rakes the eyes. That's when it's brought. This is a non-disqualification match, so that's okay. Uh, and then we get our finish, which I really like this finish. I thought this mm-hmm. was a very clever finish. We'll get to it at the end of the show. I loved a lot of the finishes on this show. Um, so uh, uh, Arn Anderson comes out. He walks by Benoit and kind of looks like he's sort of walking to the corner of Jarrett. They again bring up Jarrett was endorsed by Flair. Yep. Uh, they're on the outside where um, we get a back body drop by Jeff and Benoit uh, gets big air off of that. Now um, the Dungeon of Doom comes out. So it's Conan and Hugh Morris. They grab Woman. Woman kicks Hugh Morris right in the nuts. Um, and then at the same time, um, it's tough to explain. So, like, uh, so Jarrett's on the floor. Arn tells him to send Benoit into the ring because also out has come Sullivan. So it looks like, oh, Arn's on Jarrett's side here. Turns around, gives Jarrett the DDT on the floor. But at the same time that happens, Sullivan whacks Benoit with the wooden chair. Arn picks up Jarrett without knowing it, kind of rolls him into the ring, and he's able to get like a dead arm on yep. top of Benoit to get the pinfall. So I really love the finish. Like Arn seemed surprised by it. They mm-hmm. timed it well. It didn't look awkward. Like it was obvious. Arn should have known like he was putting, um, you know, Jarrett into a position to win the match. Like he, the way it timed and the camera angles, it looked good. And I thought it gave some good um, closure to this section of this horseman versus dungeon of doom feud, which yep. kind of beyond all the Sullivan Benoit stuff, which we have a long way to go. This <laughs> yeah. kind of ties the bow on the, you know, Jarrett's endorsed by flair. Now we don't know what Flair's going to say with all this. Right. Well, there like it's weird he doesn't even show up on starcade him and bischoff are nowhere to be seen on this show those are mm-hmm. two figures that are shocking don't yeah, make not here. um but i love the finish very clever finish in my eyes i love the intensity of this match and uh i really dug the match overall actually so i went three and three quarters i thought this was a really good match yeah, I mean, Benoit's confidence is through the roof. Like, he's just wrestling such a great, dismissive, arrogant, angry style right now. And I think it plays off the angle they got going on where he's taking this guy's wife, um, he's infighting in the stable, he's getting jumped and attacked. It's just like very just angry and aggressive. And he's kind of feeling himself that he's won, you know, this gorgeous woman over uh, his opponent. Uh, he's hard, he's crisp. You know, Jared gave right back. Like, you know, he hung. It wasn't like Benoit carrying him. I mean, Jared was really good in this match. We've we've been pro Jarrett in this run overall, so like not a surprise, but um, you know, good art announced stuff too, talking over Benoit's actions. Is he out for himself? Is he out for the horseman? Uh, at one point, a woman is doing her usual yelling. <laughs> Dusty says she's yelling like a Yomanchi. 
<laughs> I don't. He wasn't a banshee, I guess. Banshee. Yeah, I guess. You're manchie. That made me laugh. Um, uh, and then yeah, the closing stretch is great. I agree with you with Arn, and uh, you had to get Arn and Sullivan involved. Like they had to be there after the way this all was built up. So mm-hmm. it was done well. It was a nasty chair shot with the um, the way they use that wooden slatted chair uh where it all the smashes to pieces when he hits them mm-hmm. delicately good so yeah i mean it's just a fight it was strikes hard brawling uh had some infectious energy benoit brimming with that confidence and his angry style uh, i thought it slowed down a little bit late until the finish um but it was earned given the early assault like i think they were okay to kind of slow the pace uh you know woman's getting in the mix the horse from the dungeon uh and Jarrett steals the win so fun brawl had a good heat stiff attack Storyline stuff. I, I went three and a quarter, which I guess feels low compared to you, but I liked it a lot overall as a package. And it just is, to me, like this perfect dichotomy of the Liger match. So I have them rated the same, um, three and a quarter. But this was like overly impressed me and I was excited by it. Liger Mysterio, I felt a little disappointed by it. They end up the same score, but they feel much differently, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought this was a good change of pace from what we've seen on the card, too. So. Yeah, yeah, it was very different so far. Yeah, it's like a hot, heated brawl versus kind of a exhibition of styles. Right. So uh, Jeans in the highway tries to get an interview with Arn and Benoit. They both blow him off, but uh, out comes Mongo and Deborah. Yeah, they're baby. Willing, they're willing to talk, of course. Uh, <laughs> Mongo says, "I've been a winner all my life." Uh, when he played for a town in Chicago, named Chicago, if you didn't measure up to their standards, you got ran out of the town. Woman has been while weak in the knees and dumb in the brain. Um, and then Deborah, of course, maybe making a late charge as my favorite promo person of the year. Uh, she says, uh, Jeff Jarrett has the inner, uh, is a winner and has horse is is horseman material so uh-huh. a little prelude to their uh duo there uh chris and nancy are not that girl has been rode hard <laughs> and put up wet and his reaction when she says that it's like oh he's ready to pull the plug on he's like all right we're done Um, then she says all the guys wanted her under the christmas tree she only has eyes for her stevie though uh great line here you will have to settle for your plump wives and boring lives (laughs) (laughs) happy new year as she closes it so just uh i mean what a detestable annoying person jeffers become so um and you can tell she's definitely feeling it more. Like yeah, she yeah. knows she's getting great heat from the crowd, and she's right. she's letting play it into it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I mean the promo's fine. It's just we spent. I honestly did not remember that they spent this much time invested into the Horseman at this point. You always think like the Horseman kind of died. Like we talked about a flare kind of early in the year, and that was it. Yeah. Um, I did not remember like this much TV time being put into this, like this stable at this point. It's like, they're on a lot on nitro and on TV. Um, but the, and it's been fine. Like when they avoid the cryptic Sullivan Benoit shit and just are more direct right. and, and explain the heat and what's going on. It's, it's been good. The only times we haven't liked it is just the weird, you know, kind of sneaky talk yeah. and yeah, like shoot stuff, you know, that no one cares right. about. Right. Uh, the Sting air, uh, video airs. Seen that a lot the past couple. Yeah. <laughs> this, this giant face on the corner. Yeah. Um, now it's time for a tag title match. So it's the Outsiders. Six comes out with them versus the Faces of Fear with Jimmy Hart. 
Nick Patrick is our referee here. Nice reaction for the outsiders. You know, we hadn't seen them a whole lot, really. No. Um, I would say, like, I mean, I wouldn't say they've been, like, de-emphasized, but, like, from this stretch of World War III to now, like, they haven't been as prominent and on as much. I think it's the tag division. I just think when you look at the tag division, they're the tag champions. They're supposed to be leading the division, but the problem is they don't have any other tag teams that are, like, top-level teams. So their feuds naturally feel like a tier down. Um, And Hogan Piper is such a big deal. Like, that's dominating the top. So it's kind of like, what are they doing? Like... You know, they could have maybe done them versus Luger and someone here might have yeah. been a little bit better. But we got the Steiners coming soon, too, for them. Right. So that'll feel more like a main event angle, I think, with without Steiners and some stuff with other guys that are turning and whatnot. So like, I think they're going to raise up naturally. But, yeah, you're right. Like, they've definitely not been as focused on. They feel like they're just in the tag division, which is it's cool in a way because we get to see teams like Harlem Heat, like Faces of Fear, get, like, big pay-per-view matches that they may not have mm-hmm. gotten otherwise. Like, it's this is the biggest yeah, show of the year. Awesome. The face of fear, what like fourth from the top at a title match against the hottest angle, like that's that's pretty cool, yeah. you know. Yep, yeah, big moment for them. Uh, a very uh, handmade sign that says Hogan and the NWO are just rejects from the WWF. <laughs> okay, a nice camera place, but very I, direct. You know, I don't know who that's insulting. Really, I mean, I guess I don't know. Uh, Jimmy yells tonight's tonight on the way to the ring. Ming and Hall start off. Dusty says it's time to take a stand for everybody, go against the NWO. Ming shows his power advantage right away. Big chop for Ming. Uh, Hall comes back with a bulldog that gets a one count. Ming's back on offense. Barbarian gets tagged in and he gets uh matched up against Nash. Really good slugfest between these two. Patrick ends up grabbing Barbarian's arm. Um, but I love this. Like we haven't seen the outsiders really like show ass struggle. Yeah. Um, and the faces of fear really take it to them. And that's something we talked about with the faces of fear too, that like me and barbarian at points have been disappointing and here they really take it. Like they're ferocious. They're intense. They take it to them. They're stiff. Um, I love that they just start beating Nash down. Good reaction from the WCW fans and boos from the NWO one. So it's kind of a, a nice uh, crowd dynamic that you're used to seeing at this point in time. Um, in a lot of ways, I feel like this crowd's a little bit of a precursor to the USA versus Canada stuff we'll see going forward. But even then, that was more like you got different reactions, but it's based on where it was. So this is a, a pretty divided crowd here in Nashville uh, for this particular match. Uh, Nash is able to hit the snake eyes and Hall continues to um, work over Barbarian. So Barbarian is kind of your face in peril for a bit. Uh, But Ming, again, like he grabs uh, Hall by the hair and just like pounds on him. And they're kind of ignoring a lot of the rules and Nick Patrick admonishing them. But who cares? I mean, I, I like that. Like, they're not just playing into the trap or whatever. Um, big boot by Barbarian. Commentators are yelling for him to cover. Patrick takes a while to count that. This is where Bobby finally comes around. He says, yep, that was a slow one. So, finally, after all this, we're coming around. Yeah, I mean, they're berating him early in the match. Like, pick a side. Like, the yeah. you know, yep. contracts are closed. Like, the deadline's passed. Yep. It's this time. is it. Pick yep. a side. And, like, you know, they're really – Kind of get so it's a good argument, you know. Yep. Like you've never been fair before. Why are you being fair now? Right. <laughs> all right. these years you've been a piece of shit, and now all of a sudden you're, you know, 
playing it even. Yeah. So Hall gets hit with a pile driver, power bomb. Uh, Dusty says, Patrick isn't going to do a damn thing to call this thing in the middle. And he says, excuse my fridge or whatever, which is pretty funny. Ain't going to do um, a damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> Dusty's. Dusty was on one tonight. Uh, Hall gets hit with an inverted atomic drop, a big boot. Barbarian gives cover, but he's the non-legal man. I like this. Tony says, you know what? I hate that, but that's the right call. So still like a little bit of, uh, you know, you know, dignity, like win the right way or whatever. Nash hits a clothesline from the apron. Jimmy Hart's on the apron. Six grabs him. He uh, ends up grabbing the megaphone and chases Jimmy Hart to the back with that. Uh, all the while, this is with a nerve hold applied to Hall, and Patrick's just not even checking. He's ignoring it. Mm-hmm. Hall's able to get him up for back suplex. Nash gets the tag. He pounds away. Big boot gets broken up with a nice elbow from Ming. Hall and Ming really slug it out. Uh, Barb loads up the boot but misses, and then Nash is able to hit the power bomb that gets three to a good pop from the NWO fans. Um, so, I mean, the count on that was pretty fast, but I would say by NWO standards, this is pretty clean. Yeah. Um, and overall, I really liked this match. I thought it was a really good, like, brawl that showed, um, you know, the faces of fear kind of bucking the trend and being baby faces in that regard by not just playing into the NWO tactics. Uh, but it does show resiliency by Hall and Nash. Like we've talked about that, that like the NWO has been successful in a lot of ways based on their credibility. Like if mm-hmm. they say something's going to happen, they do it. It yeah. happens. Yeah. And in this regard, like this really helps that, you know, like we hate their tactics that they use and kind of the numbers game that they utilize, but like when it gets down to like go time, they can end up winning for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, also, one more note, like I don't know, and there was nothing in Meltzer about it, but they kept calling Nash big man. And I was wondering if that had something to do with like the lawsuit thing where they were just going to transition from just sticking him as the big man. I don't, I don't know. Um, it's just odd. It was very odd. Um, yeah. that they wouldn't say Hall and Nash much. They just said like big man. I don't know. But uh, as a match, I thought this was a lot of fun. Good, nice Hall slugfest. Uh, another good finish that I really enjoyed. So I went three and a quarter. I Again, reading reviews of this match, um, a lot of disappointment seems to be the consensus. I liked it. so It was good. Uh, Dusty breaks out to play at one point, and Tony breaks oh, yeah. on that. That was good. Um, it was, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it's like right up my alley. Just a lot of hard hitting strikes. The pi- Ming's pile driver is always awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, that and that's what leads to Bobby finally, <laughs> finally calling it out. Um, Face of Fear are perfect for this too because, like, they have the credibility. It's a solid win, but they're probably going to lose, and it's fine, right? Like, just them being there in the spots a big win, but it's also a credible victory. And like Nash, it's like impressive when he hoists up Ming and Jack Nice. I'm like. Ming doesn't get thrown around and pinned often. So like that meant something that he beat him clean with the jackknife. So that was a cool finish for sure. Um, and like you said, it was just a great Haas fight. So many hard, heavy strikes, slugfest. Uh, you know, Hall really took a beating through all this. Like it was stiff. The face of here looked legit. The Patrick stuff worked here. Uh, I like it when they use like, it's, 
I feel like we've gotten too much with the Patrick stuff where it's like almost every match he's out. Like I like when they save it for big spots. Like this is when you should deploy Nick Patrick in a big match for the tag titles. Like now let's bust him out. Right. Um, so I kind of like that. This is the first time we really saw him play a role tonight is not until this point. Um, you know, I, I, I think it kind of worked too in a way the outsiders as faces because they got wrecked all match shows cathartic to have them in the heat segment, even though they're getting cheered in the arena. They've deserved a beating. So letting the faces of fear take that heat segment and kick the shit out of them <laughs> kind of works because even though they're going to win, we still get to see some come up and throughout the match where they're really taking a beating. Yeah. Um, you know, they went on their own, even with Patrick, you know, yeah. giving some benefits. Uh, but the, the outsiders needed that win, right? They needed that win. So uh, I went three stars. I liked it a lot. Uh, definitely. I saw some of the grades and reviews out there too. Like one was a Keith or Meltzer. One of them get like one star or something. Yeah. Um, it's it's fun. It's not boring or anything to me. Like I really really liked it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um this is a good match that no matter who you're cheering for, you come out of the match um pleased, which which right. helps. And, and it's kind of rare where it's like, all right, like you know, like I'm actually kind of happy that the the faces of fear gave fight to it. But hey, if you're an NWO fan, they came back. And let me look. I'll quickly run through Meltzer's ratings. I'm I'm pretty different on a lot of the stuff with it. So like he gives the opener four and a half, which is monster. Um, and then let me see the women's match a star and a quarter. Uh, Liger Mysterio three and three quarters. Jarrett Benoit three and a half, and he gives this match one star, which is yeah, kind that's of what I've seen. That's I'm I mean, interested that's crazy. to see. And Keith's Keith's aligned with that too, um, so kind of crazy there. Um, definitely feel different now watching it with my eyes. Uh, Hogan's promo that we talked about. So uh, Ted has an NWO mic and a banner, and uh, it's Hogan's crew. We talked about it. like Hogan has his crew here, so it's him, Vincent, Ted DiBiase, and Miss Elizabeth, the nineteen eighty eight uh, crew together. A big NWO banner. DBIC says sometimes you get what you ask for and that Piper will regret asking for Hogan in the ring. Hogan says that the ticker tape parade's already going on on Venice Beach. He's he's called them, you know, he told them he's already won. The victory's in the bag. All of six kids of Roddy Piper's are going to be crying. Um, today is Hollywood's day. Uh, Liz is real annoyed in the background. So yeah. She's upset. Uh, he made this business. He will make it tomorrow, and the wrestling business wouldn't be on the map if it wasn't for him. So we're doing things Hollywood's way. That's why he's able to star with Arnold and these action movies. And uh, he says, "What you gonna do?" And then laughs as he goes <laughs> off. So, so I, again, like I like you said earlier, I don't think this was necessary by any means, right. but I did think this was pretty fun. Yeah, uh, a couple good lines here, and uh, just it was nice to see like overconfident Hogan, even though you know, like deep down, it's just a facade. And he's yeah. Uh, nervous. Yeah, I liked it. It was fine. I mean, it was way better than Piper's for sure. Again, we didn't really need it, but this at least was consistent with what Hogan's been doing in the build. Right. Uh, now to our final of the U.S. Heavyweight Championship match. It's Diamond Dallas Page versus Eddie Guerrero. Some back and forth to start. Eddie drop kicks him to the outside. Dallas gets sent to the railing. Dallas comes back with the thumbs in the eyes. He slams Eddie on the steps. 
Uh, Eddie's able to weather the storm and hits a dive coming back in, then works on the arm of DDP a little bit. Uh, t- Tony talks about like how people were trying to scalp tickets to get into the show, and Dusty says scalping ain't legal. And Tony says that's not my problem. <laughs> it's like all right. Uh, meanwhile, Bobby's having some technical difficulties. He, he was quiet for about three or four minutes uh, during this match here. Uh, Dallas goes for a charge in the corner, spills the outside, plancha from Eddie to the floor. Crowd's just not into this. I think this is a weird match from a psychology standpoint. Um, and it, it it was weird for me to watch because I knew what was coming up with Paige. And this is really the last match he works as a straight heel, I think. I mean, we'll see, but if I remember correctly. Um, so, so it's just weird to see him, like, rake the eyes and do, like, these straight, like, lower level hero tactics here uh he hits the flapjack he's yelling at the crowd um he uses the robes for the abdominal strike so a lot of you know a lot of your like mid card heel tactics he's he's um breaking out still uh eddie's able to reverse the abdominal stretch he gets a roll up for two clotheslines executed well by page he goes for another charge in the corner ends up hitting the post here leg sweep by eddie looks nice uh, Brainbuster gets to back suplex. He goes for the frog splashes. Dusty yells, where the big boys play? <laughs> uh, Eddie misses the splash. Dallas is able to get a gunt rich uh, needy, but then he heads to the top. He gets crushed on the top. Um, Dallas dives out from the ropes, gets hit with an inverted atomic drop and a good small package for a two count. Bobby puts over that Dallas is being resilient, kicking out of all this stuff. Then we get a cool spot where he goes for his diamond cutter and Eddie's able to hit a backslide for a really close two count. That's one of the first times we've seen the diamond cutter not be successful when pages went for it. Uh, good slug fest and Dusty's in this one. He says it's a good one. Spinning uh-huh. power bomb by Paige gets two and the outsiders and six come back out. Uh, in which Hall gives Diamond Dallas Page the outsider's edge. Uh, Eddie is outside on the floor while this is going on, so he doesn't see it. Eddie recovers, gets back on the apron, hits the frog splash, and ends up winning the U.S. championship. Uh, I'll get into the post-match and then give my overall thoughts. So uh, Guerrero kind of fights out off the outsiders and six he's given the u.s title belt which they say was made you know because yeah new title yeah new title uh so he fights off the nwo but the number game catches up to him nash the big man takes him down um six gives him a ton of kicks so we kind of set up sold out between Uh six and 80 that way um and they yell at Diamond Dallas Page, you don't get it again and then they take the u.s title belt (laughs) take it again which is such a jerk move. Um, so, I mean, I like this match. I thought it was good, but I did think it was a little weird. Uh, I thought it took a while to get going. Crowd reaction wasn't great. Um, so, overall, this is probably actually my most disappointing match of the night for me. Um, and I, I liked it. I still went three stars. But just like Paige is a heel, at the end, I, again, this is one that I like the finish. I really yeah. like the finish on the shows. And I think the finish worked. And... I don't like begrudge the match we had to get to the finish. Like it, right. it could have been, you know, something we just had to suffer through to get to that finish. You know, it was it was kind of eating your vegetables before you get dessert. Uh, so, so I get that, but 
just from like a star rating and pure enjoyment standpoint, it was a little too jarring, a little too odd for me, and the crowd reaction affected me a good bit. So that's why I'm at three stars. But still good. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, I think the problem with Page is yes, like he he hasn't really been built or established as like an upper mid card guy. He's been really strong, and we talked about it. he spent months in that low mid card just picking up wins on TV. Suddenly, he makes the finals of this tournament against Eddie, third from the top. But he his work and his character haven't been established at that level yet. So his stuff felt a little bit over his head, um, in ways. And and his offense is still kind of coming together. Now I think we'll get that shift in character for him that makes him much better as an in ring worker, um, where he's doing less of the yeoman's work and better, you know, at selling, which is what he's strong at. Um, but I like the finish as well, like. You know, we've we've been building and building this whole outsiders kind of trolling page, and you don't get it, you don't get it, you don't get it. So they screw him here uh, to give the belt to Eddie, and they steal steal the belt anyway. I also like too. There is a lot of history here. Mm-hmm. You know, Page and Eddie fighting over the Battle Bowl ring and all that stuff. Like, yeah, Page versus the Guerreros has been a feud for most of the back end of the year. So it was yep. it was kind of in a way a payoff to that as well. So it definitely was a little clunky early. I thought they got it going with some cool spots. Um, you know, I, I think it's made more mid than it should have been given that. Uh, but I like the home stretch. I like the near falls into it. I like the finish a lot. Um, you know, good for Eddie to get the title. Uh, Page is rising. He's going to go a different direction. I ended up going three and a half because I still thought it was very good with the finish too. Uh, I just thought maybe they could have flirted a little bit higher if they had a tighter match. Yeah, I mean, so I think we've seen some progression with Paige. Um, Eddie, too. Like, I mean, Eddie being third from the top, like when he beat Benoit, they talked about how big of an upset that was on Nitro. So, so again, I think this was kind of one of those matches where they put it this high on the card just to say, like, you know, here's what's going to be a focal point going forward. Yeah. Like, something's going to happen with Paige versus the Outsiders. You know, the Outsiders are big deals, so keep your eyes peeled. Um, which again, you know, in that way, I, I don't begrudge it. And in retrospect, it actually kind of looks better uh, than just rewatching it or in actuality, like real time. Uh, they, so, so we don't get it, but at this point, they would have uh, done an ad for sold out. Like Tony yep. mentions it, but we we get a weird transition where we see. Uh, we see Eddie kind of hobbling to the back while the NWO music is playing, and then I wonder why they didn't put it in the in this. I don't know. That's a weird. Oh yeah, I, I, I was interested in that. But this is our semi-main event: the Giant mm-hmm. versus Lex Luger. Uh, Luger looks very determined. Big Luger chant. Uh, they call this the biggest match of Luger's career. A great lockup here, back and forth. Power versus size. Good matchup. This is just one of the matchups I like. Right, like. Mm-hmm. Giant looks like a giant. He works like a giant in this match. Luger is powerful, but he's at such a disadvantage, which is so like abnormal that it makes right. him look small. It's one of those great, like some of the workers that are able to do this so effectively. Uh, when you think like Dustin Rhodes versus Vader is an example that comes to mind where like Dustin Rhodes is a big guy. But he was able to kind of shrink himself down when he faced Vader to where it becomes so believable. And it looks like he has like this insurmountable odds he has to overcome. It just makes everything more successful when he does make his comeback. 
so Luger berates the giant with punches. Giant kind of shrugs him off, but Luger's tenacious. He's back at it. Big running clothesline by the giant, which makes him look like a monster. Like, like he had speed, he had power, he had sight. Like that was just great, great move. Uh, Luger gets sent to the outside, and now Giant focuses on the back, and we get a real focal point on the back of Giant, uh, on Luger from Giant, and it's varied offense. Like, it's not, you know, suplexes and whatnot, but if you look at the variety of stuff he does to the back of Lex Luger, it all looks like it hurts. It's all like big man offense. It's a clinic. Like, he steps over Luger. He Constantly gives forearms to the bag that have a nice like thud that you can audibly hear on the camera. It is uh, sends Luger into the turnbuckle back first. Like it is a weighted, systematic attack on Luger's back, and it's just great. Like uh, at one point he stands on Luger, kind of hold. You know, it's it's just all of it's really well done, really effective. Gets the crowd behind Lex. As Luger chants start firing up again from the crowd, he fires back. When Giant puts his head down and makes a mistake, he goes for the slam, but Giant, you know, weight falls back on him. That gets a near fall. Big elbow by Giant. Uh, headbutt to the midsection by Giant. Then he goes for a splash, and this was cool because he gets hung up in the ropes in the same position that Luger was able to rack him uh, the previous time. They mentioned that on commentary, but it doesn't happen this time. I thought that was a great tease there. Yep. Uh, Lex then fires away, but gets a boot to the face, big forearm and kicks by Giant. He goes for a drop kick and completely wipes out, showing he has some athleticism here. Uh, Tony, I thought, brought up a good point saying that was showboating. He's big enough. He shouldn't need to do all that, which, mm-hmm. you know, make somebody like Keith Lee blush now with what you see some of the bigger guys do. But but it, it, it worked on commentary. Like it was you know he's doing he's being effective just dominating Luger this way. Why stop yeah. that? So I thought that was good showing that he's still young. Like they mentioned he's only been around a year. Um Luger makes his comeback just a great comeback where he fires off with punches the giants wobbly and then Luger hits him with a neck breaker. The Giant is down. The crowd is going wild. Luger pins him. Giant kicks Luger out. Luger goes flying in the air, lands on top of Mark Curtis, and out comes Nick Patrick. So Luger's calling for the rack. He's able to get him up. Nick Patrick kicks Luger right in the knee. Uh, while all this is going on, we cut the camera to Sting, who's coming out of the crowd. So there's mayhem here. Bobby... Finally says it's official. Well, Nick Patrick is NWO, so we can finally put that. (laughs) Here we are. Finally here. That's what he needed. Um, Luger's able to get the rack again, but Six comes in, hits the spin kick. Steen now has entered the ring. Uh, Bobby has redeemed himself by saying Nick Patrick is NWO, and he gets me on his bad side right away by saying, we all know Sting is awesome. We all know it. We all know it. There we go. So he wasn't sure about Patrick, but he's 100%. On Sting, which we talked about. Uh, Sting stares at Nick Patrick and then kind of backs him down with the bat, sends him to the outside. Fans go nuts for that. Uh, Then he drops the bat into the middle of the ring. He whispers something into Luger's ear. Then he goes over and whispers something into the Giants' ear and leaves. 
Luger gets to the bat first, but Giant steps on the bat. Luger's on his like hands and knees. He looks up at the Giant, who's standing on the bat. He gives Giant the low blow, is able to grab the bat then, wax Giant with it three times, including the last time to the knee, and pins him. Tony celebrates like crazy. The crowd goes crazy. We are... Uh, Great call by Tony saying this is the first loss the NWO has had. Tony brings up to the giant, you know, where are your friends at now? You know, like they brought out <laughs> basically called six and Nick Patrick jabronis. He says like this cruise came out. I think you could have maybe done wall street here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but so like, you know, puts that doubt automatically in the face here and, um, Overall, another great finish. Everything was dramatic. The stuff was sting. You know, we have added intrigue here. Um, and I just thought this was a great performance by both wrestlers. Like, we talked about it with the Giant. Like, he's really had one of the better rookie years you can ever hope for in a primetime position. Like, he's carried his own weight in uh -huh. ring. And as a persona and a character, he's really tried. You can tell he has passion for it. Um, and he, he still showed that here. Like he really worked his butt off here and Luger was amazing in this match. I thought Tony was great on commentary. He says at the end, Tony, you know, Lex Luger, your career is finally taking the turn you've always wanted tonight. So they really celebrate this as like Luger's biggest win of his career, which I thought helped put over the magnitude over it, uh, over everything. And overall, this is a match that, even beyond anything else, like Faces of Fear versus Hall and Nash, I can see is a clobbering match. Mm -hmm. And I guess I get it with this because, like, there's not a lot of, like, suplexes or stuff like that. But, like, Giants attack on the back is so good and that finish is so yeah. good and everything's so heated. Like, I don't understand why people think this match sucks and – I've seen like two star ratings and I, I really don't get it at all. Like it's time to come around on this match and show how well worked it is and how effective it is. Um, and it carries both of these guys throughout the first portion of 1997. So it's, it's just a, a, a really fun match, a really good one. I went three and three quarters. I, I love this match. Yeah, it was really well done. Um, I even like early when Luger is unloading and Giant's being held up by the ropes and he's trying to mm -hmm. take him down. Um, but then Giant fights right back. And you're right. I mean, he's had an awesome 1996. Like he, he was our MVP for a lot of the year. He's been a little marginalized since joining the NWO. Like I think in a way, though, that's going to fuel this eventual explosion, right? That he yep. feels like he's been just another guy in the background or yep. presented as Hogan's muscle instead of the dominant force he was for most of the year. Uh, also, think back. Like, I don't think we were too high on Luger Giant. Was it at the Bash they fought? Yeah, I mean, it was it was solid, but certainly nothing like this. Right, so, like, we just evolved. So, I think it's more to Luger. We right. loved his character early, but his in-ring has really caught up here late in the year. And his storytelling. This is the perfect place to use Sting. You know, you're not probably going to use him in an event. He's going to be here. Uh, so this is the perfect spot to use him in. Add a little paranoia into the NWO with him getting involved with, you know, talking to Giant, talking to Luger. 
what's he doing? Uh, Haas war back and forth to a full extent. Uh, also, all the great build we've had of Luger fighting the big men pays off here. Like he's yeah. battle tested against the big guys. And it felt like the atmosphere was great. It felt like a big war. A couple of wow spots. Um, the intrigue at the end. NWO takes a loss. So that plays up. Everyone's excited. They finally picked up a win over the NWO. Uh, so I went three and a half. And yeah, I thought this was, this was really, really good. Uh, and we pretty much go right into our main event. This is the big one. Match of the century. Buffers out there, of course. Bobby says Hogan's hands are soaked and his knees are shaking, uh, knocking backstage. Um, Hogan comes out first, has the same crew. So DiBiase, Vincent, and Miss Elizabeth. He does a great strut to the ring. He, you know, looks like pretty pompous here. Mm -hmm. uh, Piper gets a great reaction. Huge Roddy chants um, as we get our intros and whatnot. And I thought this this felt like a big moment, which was nice. When they got in the ring, it felt like a huge deal. I, I think it's cool that you, you know, and commentary mentions it, and we talked about it too. Like, I mean, the NWO, like, there's almost two different sects of it where yeah. the outsiders are your popular, like, cool kids, and Hogan's not. He's a scumbag, and they've kind of differentiated that. So you saw that with the crowd where, like, Piper was clearly getting more cheers than Hogan here. Um, they even mentioned on commentary some people in NWO shirts were cheering for Piper, um, which was amusing. Um, so uh, Hogan flees right away. Uh, Bobby said he didn't think he would say this ever, but, you know, Roddy Piper go get him, so he's cheering on Piper here. Uh, I rake and punches from Hogan kicks. You know, so, so let's get this out of the way with this match. You got to get this out of the way with this match. It's not a technical masterpiece by any sense of the no. imagination. But I will say, if you watch this again, like, watch this match and watch what they're doing and watch what the energy is. Like, there's a way to have work rate heavy matches that feel like empty calories, right? And then there's the opposite of that, where matches that are not work rate centric, where they're not doing nothing. They're resting, right. there's bad strikes, etc. This match, they're cutting a good pace. Like these punches and Hogan is doing all his lame heel tactics, but he's cutting a good pace. He's throwing good punches, first off. He's doing these, you know, back rates and stuff like that, but they're constantly moving. There's not a lot of like chin locks, mm -hmm. you know, like Hogan's doing an arm bar, none of this. Like, like he's on the outside, he's jawing with the fans, he's setting the pace. And that tells a good story, too, where it's like, oh, you know, he's trying to bait in Piper, you know, it, right. it, it works from a psychological standpoint as well. Commentary gets that over constantly. So, at, again, like, this is a match that if you just run down, like, the move for move, you're going to be like, my God, they did nothing. Mm -hmm. But as an effective match, I thought it was very effective. Uh, so Hogan misses a clothesline. Piper's able to get one. Um, you know, headlock by Piper's applied well and tight. He kind of rolls it over and does a bunch of stuff with that and is able to maintain it. Hogan tries a back suplex and hits it, but Piper doesn't even break the headlock. Uh, Piper then gets hung up in the ropes and goes the outside. Eye rakes, back rakes, more brawling actually into the crowd. DiBiase a couple of times grabs the foot of uh, Piper. 
which kind of allows Hogan to again take the advantage. Then Hogan ends up going after the heel. Piper fights back from that. We get an abdominal stretch that they do a back and forth over. Um, and then we go into the finishing stretch. And in this finishing stretch, like Hogan's really sweating and, you know, exerting a lot of energy throughout this match. And so when they're punching each other back and forth, you can see the perspiration flying off both men. Um, it's good, good strikes. Piper hits a suplex that gets a two count. Hogan's actually the first one up. He calls for the kill shot, goes for the leg drop, misses that. Piper then is up in this kicking Hogan's leg, and here comes the giant. The giant grabs Piper into the choke slam position. Uh, at this point, a fan legitimately <laughs> runs into the ring, and yep. Randy Anderson and Hogan have to kind of tend to him. Um, Piper's able to fight out of the choke slam. He sends the giant over the top rope, locks on the sleeper. Randy Anderson checks Hogan's arms. It drops one, two, three. Anderson calls for the bell, and Roddy Piper has pulled mm-hmm. off the upset, defeated Hulk Hogan, clean as can be, uh, in the middle of the ring with the sleeper. Um, very successful match. I mean, I think this is a match that didn't overstay its welcome. That's very important. It goes about 15 minutes. Felt like the right length where you didn't feel shortchanged, but it certainly didn't. Uh, it could have been stretched out very much um, longer and would have been ineffective as a result. So perfect length. Um, you know, good finish. Like we talk about it, Piper. Piper's always a guy. He doesn't necessarily have a great finish for stuff like this. Like the sleeper is what it is. But um, you know, it it it, it works once he the referee calls for the bell. It's one of the yep. few finishes that, like, when it's happening, the fans usually don't bite on it. And right. Then, but but if that actually ends up being the finish, like they always go nuts. You think yeah. about the Mountie. Well, it's like that that's minute of realization. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. No, yeah, like, yeah. There's yeah, always it's 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 a weird. Takes a there, second I mean, to hit. I can't yeah. I can't think of many other examples of that because yeah. seems like other submissions as a finish, like it's bought into more initially. Well, and I think too in the tap era, it's more visual, right? So you see mm-hmm. it happen. The old give up era was like no one really knows what's happening until the ref calls for the bell and then it's like takes that delay versus right. the tap everyone you can call for it and see it happening so i think that too like in the world of tapping well i guess with the sleep you're gonna pass out anyway but um but yeah anyway god so so i i ended up going three and a quarter for this match i think it's a good match i i think this is a match you put in the hulk andre scale of things like it's a widely successful match and I was I rewatched it this time and I'd watched it a couple of times in the past few years. I, I constantly come back to like the Aaron George argument for Holt versus Andre. It's like, what would you have wanted them to do? Yeah. That they could have feasibly done that they didn't in this match. Yeah. So that that I mean, if that's your barometer for success in this match, I mean it hits on every level. Hogan's booed. Piper looks triumphant. Even the execution of what they did do in this match is very effective. Again, like their strikes are well done. They show intensity with each other. You know, there's uncooperative spots. There's some psychology. Hogan, I mean, at this point, how many times that he lost clean since 1985, like in a singles match? Once? Like, that's it. Right, just warrior. warrior, 
Yoko. I mean, as the camera jump. Yeah, I know. It's decisive though. Like he had, he gets pretty much eaten up in that match with Yoko. I'd put it on the list. It, it's got the fire, but he's not ever really in position to win. Like Yoko pretty much dominates him. So yeah. at the worst, it's the third. Yeah. Otherwise, second. Right. I mean, it's no more than three. Three or four times in yeah, twelve yeah. years. So it's it's it feels like a monumental moment. Um, commentary sells it well. Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, this this to me, this is a match where starter ratings are almost negligible. Actually, like I almost went in yeah. or like it's it's one of those like if I have to, or, okay, three and a quarter. Right. But like, and and I, and I find it strange that like this match doesn't get that same. You know, you you get that counter argument uh, on the other side for like some of those matches, like Hulk Andre or Honky Warrior stuff like that. But this match doesn't seem to get that, um, and that may be a greater point when I talk about the pay per view as a whole. That just like, hey, we know like eventually WCW goes out of business, so right. like we can just look back on retrospect. And in real time, it was all like, oh, work rate, work rate, work rate. So. It wasn't going to get a good rating, just like Hulk Andre, you know, didn't get a good rating in real time. I mean, Meltzer gives it a star and a half, so <laughs> it is what it is. It was just so, a different viewpoint back then. Very that different. Kind of stuff, you know what I mean? Um, right. Whatever. They wanted the work at that point, and that's, yeah. that's what feeds into the early days of the internet is that, that thought process. Right? You're not going to get it. I mean, you're not going to yeah. get it for this. So what they did, I thought, was very successful. All right, yeah, I mean, I, I liked it a lot, too. I love the entrance. It felt like a classic entrance. We got Team WrestleMania 4, like we've talked about, with Hogan, DiBiase, Vince, and Elizabeth. It feels big time. The bagpipes hitting. Piper's entrance is great. Um, you know, just the paintbrushing Hogan still trying to be cocky and dismissive through the match is, is good as, you know, he's still trying to keep up that persona that we talked about, right? Even though he, we know he knows he may be panicking, he doesn't, uh, doesn't show it at all times. Um, a lot of the counters in there were fine. Like, again, it is what it is. It's just two, two of the greats that know how to work and tell a story. Just working mm-hmm. the type of match they're comfortable working. They're not going to try and open it or push it. They don't need to. The crowd is eating it up. To your mm-hmm. point, like along the Hogan-Andre realm, they just didn't need to do more than this to keep the crowd engaged. Um, you get the weight belt stop. That always plays into the Hogan matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the, the work of the hip. You know, that made sense into the story. Yep. Giant fucks up again. Uh, so that continues that story. So we get some good story stuff in here. Uh, and then the finish is great. Like Randy Anderson's face is like, oh shit. Like, you know, mm-hmm. oh my God, he's out. Um, that's it. That's it. So, you know, Giant leaves as everything's going on. The outsiders come out. So Giant's arguing with Hogan. So now you're feeling like, okay, we're getting a big angle as part of this. Yep. It looks like Giant may finally be done with the NWO. We get the little pathos at the end with Hogan demands his title. Uh, and Tony makes it very clear. Hogan is still champion. Hogan says it was non-title. You know, he says it even outside. Uh, and then he kind of poses after as well. So we make it very obvious that this is non-title. Yep. You know, they did. We talked about it. We're okay with it. They never said it was for the title. Them waiting till the end to say it makes you think a little bit they wanted you to think it was for the title for the finish. Like, I think I think they did want you to think that way. Because as soon as it ends, Tony's saying, hey, it's non-title, it's non-title, it's non-title. So, like, I think if... If they really wanted to convey that, he would have said it before the match. Like, hey, remember, this is non-title, but it doesn't matter. Like, like they don't say anything like that. So I think there's a little piece of them that wanted to um, let you think maybe in the moment that Piper might have won the belt. Maybe. I mean, I just don't think you can claim it's false advertising. No, no, I don't think it's false advertising. I, I, I think the people that argue that, 
I don't know. This will be harsh. I just don't think they're quite smart enough to, uh, you know, put. No, I don't. Together, right. Like, I don't think it's false advertising, but I do think they could have said it earlier in the match. That's all. Like, I think maybe a little bit they wanted you to be lost in the moment and think maybe you get the switch and sort of be a little bit. But I don't think it was like they never advertised it as a title match or made you think it was going to be at all. They just did it by absent, you know, absentia or whatever. <laughs> they just didn't say it. Um, but they pulled it off. I mean, it was it was sloppy and simple, but it was basic. The crowd loved it. The both guys brought the heat. Piper got a ton of offense in, ton of control. Hogan fed and fed and took the clean loss in a monster moment. So good on him. Uh, Piper gets the win, kind of pays off all the '80s stuff as well. Uh, NWO takes a second straight loss. You know, giant fucking up will be interesting. Where does that go from here? Yeah. Uh, Piper delivered on what Savage couldn't do, right? Uh, what what Giant couldn't do as well. So Piper sticks it to Hogan. Um, good character story work. And the NWO finally kind of gets a tough night handed to them. They've yeah. dominated since the debut. This is the worst night they've had on a big stage uh, with with these two losses, with the Giant losing, with Hogan losing. So I went three stars on the match. I've always been a fan of this match. I've always talked it up as a forgotten classic. And now that we've watched the build, I love it even more because the build was so good. So, yeah, I think it it met the icon legend status they gave it to. It's a very quality, worthy main event for Starcade. Um, and it's a good book end to their story. Yeah. I, I really like the angle at the end. Like when Giant touches Nash, he's like, don't put your finger on me. Yeah. <laughs> very good. I mean, a lot of yeah. dissension. And that you see that. That felt very, like, sports-like where you have yeah. some inner fighting if, like, a dominant team. Things are going wrong. Yeah. yeah, like a number one seed in the NCAA basketball tournament all of a sudden, like, is on the ropes. Um, it, it was good. So that's it. Like they basically sign off of that with Hogan literally spitting on the camera as he had the NWO belt. Uh, the they, they, all, they left some good stuff open for, for Nitro. You know, yeah. like it's what's going to happen now? What's going to happen with the NWO? Where does Piper go from here? Is he sticking around? Is he in WCW? Like, what's up? Right. You know, right. Uh, our catering tonight was catering to the stars. <laughs> of course it was. Not, not the most unique name there. Okay. All right. Ready to get into our awards? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, all right, match of the night. I ended up going Luger Giant. <laughs> so, oh, oh no, no, yeah. uh, Dragon, Dragon. Uh, I, I, it's my highest is Dragon. I, I'll, I'll say this: my highest rated is Dragon versus um, Malenko. But yeah. I thought Luger Giant uh, was actually like my favorite match with the most interference and all that, like the story stuff and everything. Like, yeah. so I just I gave it to them. I can get on board with it. Let's do that. I mean, I'm in the same boat. Uh, all right, moment. I went with the Piper. Piper winning. Yeah, sure. MVP, I give it to Luger, though. I thought he was awesome in that match. He gets a huge win. He's really building a ton of momentum. Piper was great. He doesn't win the title, though, so we need that. Who's going to be that guy? And it felt like Luger coming out of that match could be the guy. Yeah, I mean, I think Luger, Hogan, Piper, all three could win. Um, I'm fine with Luger. All right. Uh, I don't think we had any shots fired, really. No. Yeah, no. No debuts, right? Nope. I think we've seen everyone. Um, all right. So finally, great. I went eight out of ten. I mean, I think it's a great pay per view. Maybe a slight notch below, like the hot, hot ones we had in the summer with Bash of the Beach and all that. But this is up there. Um, there's nothing bad. It's all really good to great storyline advancement. It's a payoff show. It's a big show, and they did a nice job. I think it's where they'll struggle a little bit going forward sometimes not giving the payoff at times on these big shows, but this felt like a nice mix of paying off stuff, 
but not at the detriment of killing the angle, right? Like there's still so much here for the NWO story to tell, but they gave us a really good back-to-back feel-good moment with Luger and Piper winning, but it doesn't really hurt overall the NWO story. So I thought they had a nice mix of that. Yeah, I mean, this is a show I'm always generally, for some reason or not, a little higher than almost everyone on. Uh, even somebody like Marty, I know his, uh, Marty Slees, if you look at his reviews on pro wrestling only on some of the matches, uh, yeah, grade in higher, which is a rarity <laughs> with uh, Marty. Um, but, uh, but I mean, I, I love this show. I, I honestly think this is a match of the year candidate. Like if, if Liger versus Ray could have delivered and been mm-hmm. like a four and a half, four and three quarter star match, yeah. this may be this this possibly could be my favorite pay per view of all time. Right. Like I have it that high. I think it's one like one more match of the year candidate away from that because like booking wise i think it's almost perfect i thought the finishes whoever developed all of them did a great job like Mm -hmm. a lot was going on and a lot of these finishes none seemed too convoluted a lot flowed well and uh so i i do think this is a show that again we're telling the story of the wrestling war zone if there was a different outcome and WCW continues to dominate and mm-hmm. WWF goes out of business and we're talking about uh, the upcoming WCW Monday Nitro that's about to take place in 2023, I, I see this show as being one of those seminal moments you could look back on, like a WrestleMania 1 or WrestleMania 3, like one of those iconic shows that really proved like they had turned the tide and was going to be the uh, main focal point. It's crazy how it falls apart two years later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, where they're at. 24 months. It's not, yeah, not okay. not much. But um, they're, um, it, I don't want to get too far ahead, but like, it's the opposite of a year later. Like, Starkey 97 does all the opposite of this stuff, right? Like, right. fucked around in the big moments, screws you out of the big yeah. matches and the wins. And like, yeah, well, they Maybe deliver we can like keep this that in mind. Like yeah. as good as the finishes were on this show, we'll have to keep in mind how terrible the finishes and just the overall effort on the show too. I think mm-hmm. like everybody gave a lot of effort on this show. Yeah, it over. You see I mean, that at ninety-seven. So I'm in a nine out of ten. I mean, I think this is a great show. I think this is an absolute like Hall of Fame level run of pay-per-views from Great American Bash to this, and. um Yep. Great, great show to end the year. Yeah, I think it makes sense. You were a little higher, like on most of the matches, so I think it the little difference in grade makes sense. But I mean, for me, if you look at my grade, eight out of ten is very high for a pay per view. Like I very mm-hmm. rarely uh, touch eight, eight plus, unless it's like a great show. And this is a great show. We're really- yeah, I, mean, I, I do think this will end up being if we do make it to WrestleMania seventeen. This will probably be one of my, I don't know, six or seven favorite pay per. Yeah, I'm gonna bump it to eight and a half. I'm gonna as we've talked. I know. So there you go. Eight and a half. All right. Let's get to our combo awards for December pay-per-views. I mean, obviously Starcade is the best show. Uh, We're going to go Luger Giant, best match. Yep. We call it best segment. I guess it's really best moment, right? I don't know why we have a different. Yeah, I would say Piper winning. It's Piper winning. A better commentary, Starcade, obviously. Oh, commentary was, again, like, we talk about this run of shows, like, the commentary is also epic. Yeah. I mean, Tony's just all locked Tony was outstanding on this show yeah. like it just i mean it, you and i are both on the all-time tony train but like i think i'm glad he's gotten his 
his flowers uh, with his AEW return. Yeah. But historically, I think he's been so underrated for years. Like, yeah. I think he's, you know, I, I think he's like a top. I, I would, I'd take him over Jim Ross historically. Like, to me, he's like a top two of like my all-time favorites. I think I like him in the WWF. I think he's awesome in 93 with uh, Jesse. He's like an all-time run. And he's the glue of this shit all through like 96 and 97 and to, until when he finally kind of just gives up in like 98 and 99. But like for the next couple of years, like he is, you know, he's the force. I mean, everyone talks about Joey Styles driving ECW. Like Tony is the voice of WCW during yeah. these years, during the NWO years. So they're at the peak. Um, and he's fantastic at weaving the stories and making stuff feel fantastic. It sucks that during that era, he everyone should kind of shit on him because of the hyperbole that was forced into him. But looking back, it's like, fuck, like he is so good on all these shows week to week. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels deserved here. So that's, again, mm-hmm. like when it start, stops doing that, then all right. right. But like right now, like he had the magnitude, like he had the Gus Johnson calls mm-hmm. that matched the excitement you were feeling yeah. watching the show. All right, star of the night. We're gonna go Luger overall. Yep. Okay, yeah. and I'm sure Starcade won the the buy rate um, war. The the buy rates sick. So like 0.95 is what the estimate is, which is 345 thousand buys. Um, that seems to be the consensus on the buys for Starcade. Halloween Havoc and Bash at the Beach were the two biggest buy rates in WCW pay-per-view history up to that point. They were both 250,000 buys. Yeah, so this is a month. Almost 100,000 more. 40% more. So let me ask you this real quick. Um, Do you think Piper was... Do you think he was planning to come back, stick around? Do you think they were planning to keep using him? Or do you think the, the buy rate led them to want to bring him back for more. And should he have walked? Like, should yeah, I mean... We'll talk... I guess we'll see that last question as we go. Probably should have. That's my thinking before re-watching this stuff. I feel like um, I like his 97, though, but... Um, some. Yeah, um, until the end. I mean, the first half of 97. Yeah. I mean, I think I think they knew that things were trending good, right? Like, yeah. they'd done good ratings on Nitro. They sold out this building very quickly. Um, they had demand for it. They probably knew what the projection for the buy rates were going in. I mean, I, mean, I don't think, like, when he walked out on Halloween Havoc, like, we talked about it in Reserver. It was kind of like a short-term situation then. So I think at Halloween Havoc, they may have thought, like, all right, get us through Starcade and we'll see. Um, but by this point, like, this was such a success, like, you kind of had to run with it. Like, if you ever have anything that's 40% greater than the best you've ever done, like, you got to do it, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you could at least try and run it back. You see, I mean, and in canon, he deserves a title shot, right? I mean, after beating yeah. Hogan clean anyway, yeah. so. Yeah. I can't fault them for, you know, we're not spoiling anything. Obviously, they're going to run it back in Super Brawl. So I think it's, um, we don't fault them for, for going back to the well. Um, it's so we'll just the magic continues. Yeah, you got to be strategic in what you want to do with that. All right, that'll do it. Episode 100 is done. Starcade is done. We'll be back in two weeks' time. We're going to cover uh, the night after this, obviously. So December 30th. It'll be our last episode of 1996, uh, finally, in the book. Uh, we're kind of smack dab in the build, middle of the build to the Rumble on Raw. And then, of course, we'll see how they follow up Starcade uh, with a big night. We get the big story of the Giant 
going into Nitro. So how are we going to pay that off? And then before you know it, a month from today, Chad will be in 1997. So finally made it to really what's considered probably, at least in my mind, made the best overall uh, year in the Monday Night Wars when it comes to just creativity and, and products on the screen. Uh, maybe not overall success in numbers. I think it's 98 probably. But when you look yeah. at both, both promotions, but I think 97 is like... You know, once we get, especially past Mania, I, I think the build to Mania on the Raw side is fine too, but post Mania, that stretch from post Mania to like Starcade on both sides is like just a lot of really great stuff to dig into. So, all right. So then, smell the napalm. Be sure to spread the word, subscribe, leave us some feedback and ratings and reviews as well. We appreciate all of it. Take care. And the world's all right with me. Just one look at you. And I know it's gonna be a lovely day. Instead of me.